We're starting tonight a four-part series, four Tuesdays in a row. Tonight we're going to learn the, the divine flow of the months of Elul and Tishrei. Next week we're going to learn about all of the upcoming Chagim through Hasidic stories. I'm going to be telling Hasidic stories about each of the Chagim. And uh, that class will be more interactive because then I want to try to draw out of people what, what did you hear in the story? What, what, what is there to learn in the story? The third week will be Secrets of the Shofar. And the last week will take place between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur where we'll then concentrate on Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, Shemini Atzeret, and Simchas Torah. So, <clears throat> we have our, our challenge in front of us to prepare for the Chagim. Two and a half weeks, everyone. Two and a half weeks. <laughs> Just look at the moon and you see that it's coming. Uh, but there's something about the format is... Uh, this is uh, a yeshiva based on Rabbi Shlomo's teaching, so how can we not start without singing a little bit? And then it's actually a two-hour, we'll call it a seminar. And in the middle and at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to take what we've learned up to that point, and we are going to then formulate that learning into a visualization. And with that visualization, meditate to music. It's a very, very powerful vehicle. And we'll do that at the end of the class also. In other words, as a way to actually integrate the teachings. Because as we all know, how many times have we gone to a shiur and it was like, I'm hoping you'll feel the same, it was like a gewaltic shiur. And then the next day, you're grasping to try to remember something from the, from the class. It's like, you know it was great, and it was fantastic, but uh, human nature is that uh, to grasp something, to really integrate it, is, is not so easy. And so this is a very, very powerful vehicle is to is to take the learning and to try to put it into a bite, bite sizes, but then through the music to integrate it between the mind and the heart. Okay, so we start tonight trying to understand the divine flow of the months of Elul and Tishrei. Oh, singing. We have to sing first. <laughs> I die, 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 I
Understand the divine flow of Elul and Tishrei. First, we have to understand a little bit the divine flow of time. So, we're going to start with what we'll call it a general understanding of time and the role of cycles. And then you'll see how that is a very important foundation to understand what's happening right now. So, um, in one sense, time can be envisioned as a straight line. The way we envision, not that envision, the way we experience time is it's 24-7, it never stops, and at least from our experience, it's going in one direction. <coughs> past, present, future. It's always going in a straight line. We can think back on the past. We'll see that that's where we get into a, a deeper understanding of time. And we can think about the future. But time itself is like, like a flowing river. It just keeps on flowing. And either you're in tune with it, 
or you're not, but it keeps on flowing. So that's one way to think of time. Another way to think of time is as a circle. Now, the until, until Einstein, the first model was the way that science perceived time. It's just going in a straight line and nothing, nothing can affect time. Time moves at a uh, steady rate. And again, either we're in tune with it or we're not. Einstein came and revolutionized the way we think of time because he explained, and it's been proven scientifically, that time does vary. Time is not a constant. Okay, you're going to be given three sheets of paper. Sure. Okay, so we just began by discussing time. So Einstein revolutionized the way we think of time because he proved scientifically that time does vary and it does not it is not a constant. As we know, as matter approaches the speed of light, time slows down. At the speed of light, one of the greatest paradoxes of all science, and in fact uh, all mysticism, is that there is no passage of time. At the speed of light, there is no passage of time. Nonetheless, the way we experience it, we don't experience it that way. If we had, this is something people don't realize, if we had clocks, actually they do, but if everyone had on their on their wrist a clock that kept billions of a second. If you had two cars driving down the street, one at 80 miles an hour and one at 100 miles an hour, time would be different in each car. But it is so minuscule, so incredibly minuscule, we don't experience it. It's only at tremendous speeds that the that time actually begins to slow down. Now the reason I'm, I'm starting with this is if we want to understand the divine flow of the months of Elul and Tishrei, we have to understand well, what context, context are we talking about? So that, that's why we'll introduce the second view of time as a circle. Now this is where human beings delineate time, even though time is just, it's just moving. But we have created days and weeks and months and years and millennium. And on one hand you could say it's totally artificial because time itself doesn't experience a year or a month, or a day. The time is just going. We superimpose on time um, categories and, and limits. 
but what's very very important to understand is that this is based in the Torah in other words even though we think of it that because if you look throughout history there were there were times when the day was not 24 hours a month was not necessarily 30 days a week was not necessarily seven days there we have superimposed different um, categories in which to box time but for our purposes it's very very important to understand that the Torah itself sets the scenario of the importance of categorizing time the first one, can someone tell me what is the first instance in the Torah where the Torah is going to now box time and create Shabbos Shabbos of creation actually gives us that it's not just it's not just man created it's actually a divine cycle Shabbos is set up as a divine cycle in which to experience time also Vayhi Er Vayhi Boker defines the Jewish ah, day okay also correct because the day starts with the air of the evening correct one day um, the second day, the third day, the fourth day correct so we see all the, way, all the way from creation in the Torah itself the let's call it the wisdom of making cycles of time later on in the Torah of course we, have, we get Rosh Kodesh we get all of the Chagin and we're, we are presented with a very very structured calendar based on cycles so that's the vision of time as a circle because we're coming up to the new year so it's like we're completing a circle when you get to Shabbos it's a smaller circle a month is a little bit bigger circle and then the year Shemitah is a bigger cycle um, the Yovel a bigger cycle 6,000 years of history a bigger cycle so this is the context that we're going to understand the, the time period we're in now one last view of time that we could discuss is a spiral and this is, the, this is in a sense the truest um, form of all of them because even though we have this feeling of a cycle of time returning on itself but it never returns to the same place if we envision time as a circle it's like well we're not getting anywhere we're just returning to the same place but we all know that every every Shabbos is not like the Shabbos before this is one of Reb Shlomo's most important teachings of all time is and I, I, I've said this maybe a thousand times but it's so important that he would t he, he taught us there is no such thing as just another Shabbos every Shabbos has to be the highest Shabbos ever and that's how he not just taught us but that's how he lived his Shabbos and shared with us is just 
you're not going back to the just another Shabbos like it was last week. It has this Shabbos is like no Shabbos it's ever been. And when he, if he was with us, let's say through the the Chagim, so Rosh Hashanah is coming, and he would say, Rosh Hashanah, there is no holiday like Rosh Hashanah. There is nothing like it is the highest of the high. Two days before Yom Kippur, he's teaching. Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah was nice. It was cute. It was sweet. But compared to Yom Kippur, Gavah. Three days later, right? Right? A week later in the Sukkot, he said, Yom Kippur was very deep. But compared to Sukkot, so another piece, in the moment, that moment really was like that was the highest. At that moment, there was nothing like Sukkot. Nothing like Sukkot. And in Yom Kippur, there was nothing like Yom Kippur. So the idea of a spiral is where you're experiencing time in the cycle, but it's constantly going up. And this is a, a very deep teaching of the Arizal, who said that every year a brand new energy comes into the world. It's a general energy that's never been before. It's true, it's, it's another year. It's the same holiday Rosh Hashanah. But he said a whole new energy comes in. Okay, so having given that introduction, now we can start talking about the time period we're in. And one last statement. When we contemplate time, we get the, the, the notion of the eternal. Because, like I said, it's just flowing. It's just flowing, and if you've ever like, stared at a stream or a river, even for five minutes, you like something just opens up inside. And you just you like you almost feel outside of the confines of time. That when you feel that that there's this eternal quality of time. So listen to this paradox. This is a tremendous paradox. But it's really the secret of mitzvot. So we would think that by boxing time we're like limiting our understanding or appreciation or experience of time. Because we're putting it in a box. Time is not just flowing now. It's like every week there's cycles and we're, we're in a sense um, caught in the, well, Joni Mitchell said the carousel of time. But the paradox is that when something is without any limits, the human psyche cannot really get their mind around it. Once something has been quantified, 
we actually can get a hold of it and that finite hold opens the gate to infinite experience. It's a paradox. And this is the secret of all of the mitzvot. All of the mitzvot are very defined, physical usually, either in action or speech. You have to do it at a certain time, in a certain way. You can have one mitzvah, and you, you can see this, you can go to a bookstore and get an entire book about a mitzvah. A mitzvah. Because there are so many details of how to do it exactly right, and what happens if this happens, and what happens if this happens. So you would think there's, there's nothing more confining than a mitzvah. It cuts us off from infinity. It's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Through the act of mastering the finite moment, or the finite act, it opens up infinite divine experience. That's the secret of all of the mitzvah. So now let's plug all of this into Elul and Tishrei. And that's because we're coming up to, I'm going to give you a, a number of different cycles to connect to. Now maybe we'll make this part of the meditation before, but if you think about it right now, we are living in the midst of four, five, six, seven, eight cycles, all simultaneous. The more aware we are, the more of a channel we are for receiving the wisdom of those cycles. In other words, today is Tuesday. So this is, we're about halfway through from last Shabbos to this Shabbos. Some people already are aware of that. Where am I going to be this Shabbos? Who are we going to invite for Shabbos? When do we have to go shopping? Right? <laughs> so we're very aware of that cycle. Like very, very aware. On a daily cycle, did I dive in Mincha? Right? The sun's about to go down. Did I daven? Or at 12 at night, oh, I didn't have a of yet. So we're tuned into that. The monthly cycle already is getting a little bit bigger. Right? It's just like, um, like Kiddush Levana helps us. Because we have to say it before the, the moon is full. So we're aware of where we are in the month. But how aware of it are we where we are in the year? Maybe now because it's coming to an end. That's another great wisdom of cycles. Because if we didn't have cycles, we like I said, we couldn't get our mind around chuva. Of course we're supposed to do chuva every single day. But do we remember? Oh my gosh, it's Elo. It's time to do chuva because there's a time limit. There's a, there's, there's a time limit. Rosh Hashanah is coming. What about, how many of we, are we aware of what year of the Shemitah cycle we're in? And that it really means something to us. In the sixth year, if you live out on a farm, you're very aware of it. But in the third or fourth year, 
And what about in the Yovel? And what about in the 6,000 year? Now again, we're, many people are aware now because we're coming to the end of the 6,000, we're coming to the 6,000th year. So there's a tremendous wisdom in knowing where we are in all these different cycles and to plug into that energy. As we know, there's a certain energy that comes at the beginning of the month. There's a certain energy that comes at the full moon. There's a certain energy that comes at the end of the month. And these are very potent spiritual um, powers that are like kind of like ethereal in the air that if we don't pick up on them, we just don't pick up on them. But if we do pick up on them, it adds an incredible richness to our lives. Incredible richness. So right now, we're going into a number of cycles. From Rosh Chodesh Elo to Yom Kippur is how many days? 40. So this is a cycle that we're told that we should be aware of. There's a, we're in the middle of a cycle, and not just a month of Elo, but we're told a 40-day cycle. Now this has a historical precedent, because Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Mount Sinai for the third time on Rosh Chodesh Elo, and he came down with the second tablets on Yom Kippur. So that's the, the historical precedent for the 40 days. As we'll, we'll see in a minute, uh, I'll just mention this now. You can look at this sheet here. You can see that the one with Anila Dodi Vidodi Lee. Does everyone have it? Hopefully, if not, we might have to share. I hope there's enough for everyone. Yes. But if you look at Ani Ludodi Vidodi Lee, look at the last. We know that that's an acronym for Elo. But now everyone just look at the last letters of those four words. And what do we have? Yud, 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 Yud. Yud equals what? Ten. Ten. Ten times four is? Forty. This is an additional allusion to the forty days in Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. So this is a very, very important cycle to be aware that we're in the midst of. Another cycle we're about to experience is the ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which are called the Ten Days of Tshuva. That has an energy, and, and halachas now, I didn't mention before that along with the 40 days, there are also halachas that, that go with it that strengthen this idea, especially for the Sephardim who are doing um, Slichot already. We're already blowing shofar from the beginning of Elul, so it's, it's part of the whole site. We have a halachic basis that is making us aware that we're in the middle of a cycle. When you hear the shofar every day in the morning, you're, you're aware you're in the middle of something. There's something 
happening here. There's something happening here. There's a cycle going on. Then when we get to Rosh Hashanah, we're still in the 40 days, but now we're beginning a new cycle of a 10-day cycle. And there are halakhas also about certain things that you're supposed to do and or emphasize during those 10 days. So then we're in the, actually in the midst of really two different cycles at the same time. We're still part of the 40-day cycle, and now we're also in the 10-day cycle. Then there is another cycle that in Hasidut is a very important cycle. And this is going to follow us through all four of our classes. Is that from Rosh Hashanah through Simchas Torah, I have to remember in, in Eretz Yisrael, Shemini Yitzherat and, and Simchas Torah on the same day. Remember in, in Chutzar there's an additional day. But here, it's on the same day. So from Rosh Hashanah through Simchas Torah is exactly 22 days. What's important about 22? The Aleph Bet. The Now this, and I will mention this a number of times, this is a very important cycle because the only true uh, understanding of all of the holidays coming is when we understand that they're all connected one to the other. And this is very, very important because many, many, many people don't really understand what is Sukkot doing after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It seems to be like such a different energy, but it's not at all. It's the actual um, climax of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And that's why you have this 22-day cycle from Rosh Hashanah through Simchus Torah. So now we're aware of three. And then I learned, uh, it wasn't his Torah, but I learned it from him, from David Hertzberg, Allah Shalom, is that Hoshana Rabbah is 51 days after Rosh Chodesh Elo. And Simchas Torah is 52 days after um, Rosh Chodesh Elo. And I actually saw it inside. I saw the source that he brought it from, and I forgot right now. Um, and he said, this is a beautiful thing to remember. What, what do we say on Hoshana Rabbah is when we go around seven times around the Bima, and we say these long series of what are called Hoshanas, which is really Hoshana. Na means please. Hosha is save. So we're, we're davening, please save us. Hosha na. The numerical value of na is 51. Mm-hmm. When are we saying it? On the 51st day from Rosh Chodesh Ella, when the whole cycle begins. The next day is Simchas Torah. And again, we're doing seven hakafot. But instead of doing Hoshanas, we introduce each one with Ana Hashem, Hoshiana, Ana Hashem, Hatzlichana. 
So what is Anna? 52. Anna is also please, but we have an extra Aleph. So Anna equals 52 because Simcha's Torah is the 52nd day from Rosh Chodesh El. So now, I mean, you can say, oh, that's a nice, cute gematria, but what it does, it reminds us that when we get to Hoshana Rabbah, we're still connected to where we started in, in Rosh Chodesh Elul. We're at the conclusion of this cycle. And when we get to Simcha's term, we say, Ana Hashem Hoshiana, is we, to remember where we started from. Because how many times do we start a project and halfway through, we can't remember why we started this, right? Right? Whatever it is, right? um, let's say you're dieting or you're exercising, right? And it's getting hard. And so halfway through, it's like, why did I start this in the first place? What do I need this for? Because we forgot what, what factors led us to do this. So, the, so the, the beautiful thing of this divine flow of time and connecting it to cycles is it gives us the correct context. Because sometimes, if, if you're saying slichot the whole month, so by the third week, you know, you might be getting a little bit tired here, right? You have to remember where, where did I, why am I doing this? Where did it start from? So this is an introduction to the divine flow. There are a number of different cycles here that we should be aware of. And by connecting to them, it, it makes us understand, especially say from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. A lot of people, Rosh Hashanah, we daven so intensely. And after two days of, of davening and really pouring out our hearts, sometimes we think we're finished. Like, that's it. And it's only like the day before Yom Kippur is like, oh yeah, there's still Yom Kippur. Because we, we lose track. It's a 10-day period of, of tshuva. Rosh Hashanah is only the beginning. And this is, it might sound very simple, but the human psyche needs these uh, road posts to not get lost and lose track. Because, like I said, the, the, the third day, some Gedalia, we're, we're, we're working towards something. Yeah. Ah. My niece is coming tonight to learn for a year in Yeshiva. And, uh, her birthday is some Gedalia. <laughs> okay, now, I'm a firm believer in using handouts and not just handing them out. So let's turn to this one. Okay, everyone have this one or can at least share with someone? Okay, so I want to, I'm going to start in the middle where we see a very interesting thing about the word Elo that 
it mirrors a little bit the name Yudke Vavke. You see that the Vav is the same and in the same placement in the word. Instead of two He's, you have two Lamas, same letter. And in the different names of God, so the perhaps the two most important are Yud and Aleph. Because the, the name Yud Kevavke begins with a Yud. And many of the other names of God, Elohim, Kael, Adni, all begin with an Aleph. So this is just a a small um, nice thing to understand is that the the flow of this month is very very similar to the flow of Yud Kei Is this also the invitation of Yud this month? Is, is no, no, it's not actually. It's not. Another thing just to point out which is very, very good to know, is that the gematria of Elo is 67, which equals Bina, understanding. And that is what this month is all about. Elo, Elo is one of the least, I shouldn't say this, um, think, think of a better way. Elo is a month that, for many people, don't really activate the potential in the month. We're given an entire month to prepare for Rosh Hashanah. And, like I said, it's hard to keep your eye on the ball. How many times, like just a few days before Rosh Hashanah, is it, it finally hits us that Wow, I've had a whole month to to the tshuva to, to to be involved in introspection, and how much have I used? So Elo is about being about understanding who we are, where we're coming from, where are we going, what is our relationship with Hashem. A lot of us try to cram it into Rosh Hashanah because we didn't do it in Elo. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's better on Rosh Hashanah than not at all. But the real energy of Elo is the, 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 the classic uh, mashal, the parable that's brought, is of, of a court case. That if you knew that you had a court case where your life was on the line, how much would you prepare? Wouldn't you be calling the lawyer every day? Do you have all the papers you need? Did you remember this? What should I say if they say that? What, like, you know, like, let's make another meeting, discuss it more, right? We would, like, because we know our life is on the line, and we really believe it, and it's for real. We would, like, spare no expense, because once you go to court, it's like, it's, it's, that's it. And you don't walk into court and feel like, oh, I should have done this, I should have done You would prepare. So 
So that's how seriously we're supposed to take Rosh Hashanah. I think it was... I don't want to say it wrong. One of the Hasidic Rebbe's... No, excuse me, it's a Gemara. It's a Gemara. Maybe it was Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai, a Rebbe, who said, would it be that man had the same fear of God as he has for a human king? And his students said, what, what kind of comparison is that? We should have like a thousand times more respect and awe for God. And he explained, like, would it be, if you knew that you you had a, an audience with uh, President Obama, mm-hmm. right? You know, you'd probably you'd probably be you know shaking in your boots, right? What am I going to say? Like, like, should I? Shouldn't I? How do I look? What do I? Uh, he said, would it be that we had at least that much? Because to conjure up that kind of awe of God, we need a whole month. We need a whole month to to really work up to that, to prepare for that. Okay, so let's look at the bottom of the page. And we see here, um, I'm sorry there's no, there's no English here, but the the most famous of all of the acronyms for Elul is Anila Dodi the Dodi Li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. And many people don't realize that there are other acronyms that are given over for this month. And they're very, very instructional. So that one, you see that it's arranged according to the four letters of God's name. Because this kind of relationship with God, where we, like when we sing Yedid Nefesh on Shabbos, where we relate to God as our beloved, that we're married to God. So this is like the highest, the highest level. And the next is the Rashi Tevot, Et Levavcha Ve'et Levav Zarecha. This comes in the book of Devarim, and is talking about at the end of days, after a long and bitter and cruel exile. Just read this week's Parsha, uh, if, you can, if you can get through it. But afterwards, God says, but in the end you'll return and I will bring you back. And as part of that whole prophecy, God is saying that he will, he will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your, of your children. So this is another aspect of relating to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, of, of making a covenant with God. Remember, on Yom Kippur, Moshe brought down the second tablets as like the sign of not just forgiveness, but the sign of the covenant between God and, the, uh, and, and Am Yisrael. So this is a very beautiful acronym because remember in Yom Kippur, we're doing this to our heart. Et levavcha, et levav zarecha. So it's a lot about the heart. And actually when we get 
to Yom Kippur, we're going to see an amazing, amazing connection to the heart. And then the Vav, Anili Adol Vesanti Lecha, this is in Parshat Mishpatim, where it's talking about, this is the first mention of what's called an Ari Miklat, a, an, a city of refuge that if a person kills purposely he gets capital punishment according to Torah law, if there's witnesses, etc, etc but if it's a inadvertent murder and yet there's still some responsibility, a person had to go to a Ari Mikla, to a city of refuge and in this verse uh, which is actually a very enigmatic verse because it says, that God puts it into his hand to, to have killed this person, not on purpose. But I will give you a place to flee. Uh, again, I have to throw out these little uh, teasers because there's only so much we can do in one lesson. But we also will be learning a, a beautiful connection to uh, these, these cities of refuge as it pertains to doing tshuva. So the idea in quick is, in this case, why does a person have to flee to the city of refuge? Because what's called the, the, the blood avenger had the right to kill him if he wasn't in one of these cities of refuge. So it's explained that, that there are six cities of refuge and Elul is the sixth month of the year. And when, when we're trying to do tshuva, so who's like running after us? Our Yetzirah. All of our, our past mistakes are what you think you're going to just do tshuva like that without any resistance? Like, no, no, not so quick here. So the the blood avenger, our our own our own mistakes, are running after us. So how do we do tshuva? We have to have a city of refuge. Call it prayer. Call it meditation call it heat bodhidut, speaking to God, call it introspection. We need a safe haven where we can be in God's presence and really change ourselves. So this is another beautiful Rosh Tevot for this month. Ina liyado v'samti l'cha So Ina is from the word Tuna. Like mm. Modern Hebrew to not drachim is a, a car accident. And the last hay is one that we'll recognize from Megillah Esther. Ish talking about Mishloach Manot and Matanot Evyonim. So here, this is the the final hay because this is the idea that during this month we're not supposed to just be, let's say, contemplating 
our love of God and opening our heart and creating a safe haven to do tshuva, we have to do practical things in this world. And that's what these two mitzvot of Mishloch Manot and Matzinol Avionim are for. Purim is giving to the poor, giving food to your friends, is, is reaching out in this world and, and doing something practical and physical to integrate the tshuva that we're trying to do. So, so you see in these four Rashi Tevot, this is a beautiful meditation in itself of different levels of coming close to God that we want to do, or different levels of contemplation that we can entertain on, on these four different levels. Now let's look at the top of the page. Okay, same page. And try to understand not only do we have a flow of time and cycles that we're trying to be a part of and trying to get the most out of. But there's also a, a flow in the soul itself. Now in the, the Sefer Yitzira, it, it discusses the context of all of reality is Olam, Shana, and Nefesh. World, soul, excuse me, world, year, and soul. World means space, year means time, and soul means soul, consciousness. So we've been talking about, in a sense, how to connect to time in the way of connecting to cycles in order to be connected to the flow of energy that's coming into the world. But there's also a flow that's going through the neshama at different times of the year that are connected to these cycles. So this is like looking more inward to understand what the flow is. So if you look at the top box, this, this is a box that is I mean, a graph that is a general teaching. It's really good for any time of the year. But because our, our davening and our concentration and our intent is really at a peak during these months, uh, th this teaching is, is very, very uh, appropriate for this time of year. So on the, uh, on the left hand where you see level, this is, this is a, a teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, that all of reality is taking place simultaneously at worlds, souls, and divinity. In other words, there's a world here, but there's also the, the, the way that the soul is relating to the world. One you call maybe objective, but the way the soul relates is more subjective. And then there's the way, as it were, God is relating to the world. And, and these are all 
happening at the same time. And the Baal Shem taught that every letter contains these three letters. So that means every word, every letter, every letter contains these three levels. Yeah, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, levels. Sorry. Wait, wait. Can you say yeah, yeah. that before you talked about Olam Shema and Nefesh? So it was Olam, Olam's worlds and, and space. Shema is time. Wait, so then, so it's not soul then. No, oh, so time. It's no, it's not. No, it's not exactly this oh. order. Okay. But this is a very and similar. Nefesh is, nefesh is souls, no? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a different scenario. Okay. Oh. I, I might have confused you by saying them yeah. two right next to each other. There's, there's two. There are two different scenarios. They're really very very similar, but they're different scenarios, different models. So the model that we're looking at of worlds, souls, and divinity. So the Baal Shem teaches that every letter is operating on all three levels simultaneously. So that means every word in the Torah is relating to worlds, to the souls, and to a more divine level of reality. But this is true in the soul itself. The soul has all three of these as well. Well, all of them have all three. Now, in the level of worlds, you have world, souls, and divinity. In the level of souls, you have world, souls, and divinity. And a divinity of world, souls, and divinity. So the main thing I want to get to is what service and experience relates to these levels. And this is an extremely important understanding. So on the level of worlds, the, the soul at the level of worlds is searching. Searching for meaning. Everyone knows on an inner level how much we're searching. At a certain point in our life, we're looking for a banner badzug for our, our soulmate. We search for the right uh, profession to be in. We search for the right place to be in, the right community to be in. The soul is in, in relationship to the world. We're always searching to be, to find our correct, our correct place. And that experience leads to the desire to uplift the world. We've heard this so many different times, especially in the Hasidic teachings, that our purpose is to uplift the physical to the spiritual, to lift up the sparks, to tikkun olam. That's exactly what it is. That we're looking to uplift this world, to fix this world, to improve this world to leave our mark in this world. And these are very, very important things to be thinking about this month. Because this is the nitty-gritty of the introspection we should be doing. Are we in the right place? Are we with the right people? Am I on the right path? Am I (laughs) headed in the right direction? And what can I do to, in my little world, 
to make things better. How can I be a better person, which will then help make everything else a little bit better? On the level of souls, the soul has an innate desire to serve God. Many souls don't realize this. And and it's, it's in the vernacular, and it was in not not even the best context, but I'll just mention this, uh, that Bob Dylan wrote a song that was called, You Have to Serve Someone. And I'm not saying I agree with the rest of it, but he says, you can serve the devil, or you can serve the Lord, but you're going to have to serve someone. So he, he, was, he was tuned in to something that I wouldn't have said it that way. But the point is that we, we have the goodness in a human being. There's a great need to serve, to be good to others. And in the, in the bigger picture of what we call Torah and Mitzvot, and Yiddishkeit, so the the big context is that we're serving God. Why are we doing all of this? Because we believe this is the this is the formula that God gave us to serve Him. That's like the general principle behind so much that we do. We don't necessarily think of it like that every day. But why are we doing all of this? Because we we believe that this this that we want to serve God. And through Torah and Mitzvah, this is the way to do it. This is how God taught us in the Torah to do it. So that's why we're doing it. But, like I said, the bigger statement, which is always there, that we don't think about so much, is just simply, we're doing this to please God, to serve God. The experience of serving especially with other people is of connecting. In other words, a soul in relationship to the world wants to uplift the world. But a soul in relationship to another soul wants to connect. And I think everyone also understands this on a very deep level. You know, sometimes we want to uplift other people also, but really... We want to connect. We want to connect to our children. We want to connect to our parents. We want to connect to our friends, to our husband, our wife. We want that soul connection. So this is also the time of year to look at our relationships and our connections. Are they strong? Are they weak? Can they be better? What can we do to make them better? On the level of divinity, the soul seeks to unite with God. On the deepest level, when, when we're deep in prayer, the experience is really of uniting with God. That's what the soul longs to do. 
That's what we're told, that the soul is always compared to a flame. That is always trying to go up. It's always trying to re- return and unite with, with God. So, just by remembering these six, these six words, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous um, learning tool. What? Device. Yeah, it's a learning device. Just, just to remember, searching, serving, uniting. Just three words, just, it's like, hooks us into like what we're supposed to be doing, especially at this time of year. And we'll do this, the middle box now, where this takes, and this is also a flow. On the left-hand side, we'll see the five names of the soul. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, and Yechida. The middle box is a description of the experience, meaning the Nefesh is that part of the soul that is connected to the physical, to the body. The Ruach is that part of the soul that is connected to the emotions. I'm doing this very, very quickly. We could get into much deeper um, uh, connections here, but Nishama is connecting to the intellectual component of a human being. The Chaya, the Chaya is what's called the bridge. The first three, Nefesh, Ruach, and Nishama are all conscious. It's a conscious intellect. The Chaya already becomes the bridge to the unconscious or the superconscious. And that's where an awareness of God, not that we don't have an awareness of God on the lower levels, but this is where the, the innate awareness of God starts to shine. And the Yechida, this is the point of God that is within us. As the Baal Shem Tov taught in the Altar Rabbi, that the soul is a chalak me'eloka mima'al mamash, an actual part of God above. That's what's called the Yechida. That's where the, this bridge that begins in Chaya, it, it bridges between human and divine. So this, this flow is also just a good learning device because when we're trying to do tshuva, when we're trying to look at our lives, when we're trying to improve, we need to do it on all five of these different levels. But since the soul is at five levels, it needs to operate and improve itself on all five levels. And so this is just, it's like, we use this as a checklist. In other words, like, let's say some people are very, very, very good in taking care of their bodies and being aware of their environment and, you know, having a clean house and all of these things. 
but have a very hard time praying. And other people are just the opposite. They have a very easy time to pray, but to take care of myself and in my house, this is a challenge. So they don't have to go in the order? I mean, in terms of improving the soul, it doesn't, you don't have to get from the physical to the emotional? It can kind of be... You, no, it doesn't. No, I, I mean, uh, theoretically, there is a flow here from below to above. Yeah. But each person is so different. And each person has to work on different things. Like wherever you can accomplish some improvement, go for it. You know what I'm saying? But it's just a good checklist to realize that, well, the soul is operating on five different levels. How am I doing? <laughs> like, how am I doing? Am I an emotional wreck? But I'm, in my profession, I'm like, I'm so accomplished. I, like, I'm so intellectual, and I'm such a success. But in my emotional life, I'm a wreck. I'm a, I'm a, it's a disaster. So it's just a beautiful checklist from like a spiritual point of view of, well, where are we holding? Where do we, just by looking at this, it will tell us where, where we need work, where we need improvement. Many people on the physical level are together, the emotional level is together, the intellectual level is gone, but they don't really feel connected to God. They, they daven, and, and they admit, I, I just, I do it, but I don't really feel a connection. So this is just a great checklist for, for everyone. Okay, so as promised, a little bit more than halfway through, but... Dulcimer. Dulcimer. Show it to the camera. I think it would be very cool. <laughs> <It's a> dulcimer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's a lot of debate from the Okay, so what I'd like everyone to do, you can do it with your eyes open, your eyes closed. You can scribble while you're doing it. Whatever, whatever works best. But to take what we've learned is that we are we are in the flow of time, and we're in a in a divine flow of tshuva, really a divine flow of an end of a year, a new beginning is coming, a new energy, and. The more we contemplate how we can get the most out of this time, the more we really will. And since every person knows themselves better than anyone else, 
that this is the time of the year to go very deep inside and not to beat ourselves up. Sometimes a little slap in the face helps, but real tshuva isn't done necessarily by beating ourselves up. We know where we're a little bit off, we know where we have to improve, and the idea is to, is to concentrate really on the positive and to really, really try to connect to a new energy, new possibilities, to finish and conclude the year on a high point, and to be looking forward uh, to standing before God. You know, we have two verses. One says, Eve do it the Shem Simcha, serve God with joy. Another one is, Eve do it the Shem serve God with, with awe and fear. And they really come together in Rosh Hashanah. It is really a very, very joyous time, but it's also full of, of awe. Full of awe.
いはい。OK。Next sheet。There are many different ways, and everyone is different. But one of the ways、uh, most conducive is what's called bittal, is nullifying the ego. It could be, again, through prayer or meditation or music or walking or artwork or whatever it is, but getting in a place where one, you get your ego out of the way in order to be able to feel a higher influence. So, for example, One of the reasons that the, the Baal Shem、uh, advocated going to the mikvah、uh, Erev Shabbos was by going into the water, one has the experience of going back to the womb of nullification. In order to become a vessel for the new energy of Shabbos. That was in, in, in simple terms, that's why he made a big deal of going to the mikvah. Is because, because to go from Yom Shishi to Shabbat, it's not easy to make that transition. And a lot of times we know that when we go into Shul Friday night, our, our minds are sometimes a hundred places. And until we actually get into Shabbos, it could be half over. So the Baal Shem said, like, let's, let's start from before. You have, you have to like, nullify. So for the ladies, it's getting in the kitchen up to your elbows in hot water. <laughs> you immerse yourself in chicken soup. <laughs> Or if you're, if you're vegan, bean, bean broth. At the risk of sounding like an unholy, which I probably am in this area, how does one、uh, nullify one's ego? One says over and over again, I'm nothing, I'm, I'm, I'm off of eight. I mean, Um, either we're told that there's two different ways. Either by contemplating the lowliness of man in relationship to God, or contemplating the greatness of God just in general, in order to get to a state of. Like I said, but every, everyone has a different way of doing it. Some people can do it through meditation, some people can't. But by, even by just saying consciously,、um, and this is just an example, it could be applied to many other things, is、um, the week is over. Whatever I accomplished, I accomplished. I did this wrong, I did that wrong, but I'll, I'll, I'll have to deal with it.、Um, uh, I can't do any more. 
So I'm putting all my work to the side. That's what it says in the Gemara. Uh, when Shabbos comes, you have to see as if all of your work is done. Like I, I've done everything that I can, and now I want to enjoy Shabbat. I want to get into the spirit of Shabbat. I want to be in the presence of God. This is what Shabbos is about. But you do it by, you have to consciously like move the ego, move the weak to the side. And some people can do it by just saying it, by just consciously saying it. Like, I did what I could do. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue next week, but now is another time, another space. I don't want to be bothered with any of this. And you have to, you have to like, move the ego to the side. But when we can take that example for many, many, many other things as to do it. Other people, like I said, could do it through going to the mikvah. A lot of people, when they go to the mikvah, this is what they're thinking about. And even though my, my wife said what she said, half in jest, it's, it's, there's a truth to it. Because all week long, blah, 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 but you're making all this beautiful food for Shabbos, and you're thinking the covered Shabbos, and you're aware that a new energy is coming, and while you're doing it, it should be like, wow, this is, this is to bring a new energy. Or when, when a woman goes like this when she lights candles, right? It's just like bringing in divine light. So there's many different ways to do it. Many, uh, like I said, a lot, a, a lot of men, when they're in the middle, this is what they're thinking about. They're thinking concretely about the week, if there's any leftover, you know, hanging threads, you gotta like knock them up, and I'm ready for a new energy. I submerge myself in the water. I sub- I want to submerge myself in Shabbat. That's just on like one toe. <laughs> uh, you give me one way to do it. I don't need a hundred. Okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you give me one. I'll yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What we're looking at here, again, this is something that we could spend an enormous amount of time, but it's a beautiful. By the way, everyone can keep these sheets. Okay. Um, this is showing in a very, very graphic but Kabbalistic way the flow of these 22 days. Remember we talked about the 22 period from Rosh Hashanah through Simchas Torah. So let's look at the top box. And like I said, to, to, you know, to be honest and fair, to do this properly, we'd have to spend a lot of time but I think everyone can get something out of this. That you see that it's arranged according to God's name. What many people might not understand is that in Kabbalah, even though God's name has four letters, the tip of the Yud is considered a level of itself. Why? Why? is because 
just like when we talk about the different spiritual worlds, most people know four worlds. Asiya, Yitzira, Briya, Atsilut. The world of action, the world of formation, the world of creation, and the world of emanation. But according to their readers, a fifth world, an even higher world called Adam Kadmon. Yeah, it's, it's another, another level. So sometimes you'll see the, the four-letter name of God and correspondences, and sometimes you'll see the same four-letter name of God, but with the Yud as a level of its own. Why the Yud and not the Vav? Because everything emanates from the Yud. See, when you, when you make a letter, every letter begins with the tip of the Yud. You put your pen on the paper to make any letter, it is the tip of the Yud. So it's like it's found in everything else. You're right. Right? Found in everything else. Okay, so here we see that uh, these five levels correspond to the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the second day of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the seven days of Sukkot, and Shemini Yitzhak. And we'll go back and explain this. But the idea is, again, there's a flow here. And uh, especially on Sukkot, when we're taking the Arba meaning, which uh, even in Ashkenazic sitters are compared to the name Yudke Vavke, that we're very, very aware of the, of the, the name Yudke Vavke in these holidays. And so here we just see that there's a flow from above to below. And that's why it's, uh, we can understand that because the first day of Rosh Hashanah is as ethereal as can be. Because when we're starting Rosh Hashanah, like I said, sometimes it takes us a little while to get into it. But once we, like, we start to get into the the mood of Rosh Hashanah, everything is very ethereal. It's, it's, our, our davening is coming from the deepest, deepest place, and we're directing it to the highest, highest place. By the time we get to Simchas Torah, it's down to our toenails. We're dancing. And, you can, and that's the flow. The flow is, see, what does Rosh Hashanah mean? Rosh means head. And what are we doing in Simchas Torah? We're dancing with our feet. So we can see, literally, and, and actually in Kabbalistic terms, we look at the Yud is, is like the head. And the, the, the arms are like the hay. I mean, our fingers have you know, five and five. And our torso is the vav, and our legs, our toes also have five and five. So our body in the self is shaped like the flow of from yud to hay to vav to hay. But here we see that the hagim also, 
We started the Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, the tip of the Yud. But the whole point is at the end to be dancing. It's a beautiful like Hasidic teaching in itself, right? We start in this awe and we end up by dancing. So this is a beautiful flow. Ah, so this is very beautiful. It's interesting, the stomach yeah. of Yom Kippur, you're halfway down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. stuck in the stomach. Maybe. See a little stick figures you made? Ah, uh-huh. Yeah. The fingers? Yeah, yeah. That works. Yeah, that works. Yeah, my wife just drew it out because the hay. Imagine a hay is like this, and then the arm. So you can see this. I didn't explain it, but here you could see in the two arms, in a sense, the hay, and the same thing with the legs. Well, we also have the image of God across this this axis, and then the hay. Yeah. 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 So this is even though. And we have to be very, very careful with this. We're, we're, we're told uh, repeatedly, being in the image of God is not anything physical. But nonetheless, the Zohar always compares the, the name of God and the body and the spherot as, as being corresponding. But we have to be careful with that because being an image of God is, is not in a physical image. But nonetheless, there's a great wisdom in how the physical body is structured in relationship to the Svirat and, and to God's name. So here we see uh, above, and you see in the second column that the the first day again has to do with the Rosh, because when you coronate a king, you put the crown on the head. And this is like the experience. This is the second day of Rosh Hashanah is also a coronation, but with with an emphasis on remembrance. Today, I mean, this year will be um, emphasized because it comes out in Shabbos. And so we only hear the shofar on the second day. And the shofar does uh, awaken um, very primordial memories. We'll get to that at the time of the shofar. Can I ask you about the whole term remembrance? Like, mm-hmm. what? Because it's called Yom Hazikaron also. So, like, I never quite got it. Is it Hashem is remembering us? Or we're like, what's going on? Both, because. The whole month of Elo, we're supposed to remember what we did during the year. Because you, you can't improve if you don't know what you did. If there's no remembrance there, then it's just, what do I have to fix? So, but we're also um, remembering that God is king. In other words, every day we say over and over again, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu. Melech Haolam. But how many times do we stop to think about it? Rarely. Rarely. Rarely are we aware that we're in the presence of the king. 
So on Rosh Hashanah, we remember this aspect. On the other hand, obviously, it's also the whole image of God opening up the books and remembering what we did. But when we get to Musaf, um, and this, I'm going to save most of this for the shofar. During Musaf, we go back to the beginning of the world. And we remember, you go look at the words of Musa. We're remembering the creation, remembering Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, remembering Noah, the Tower of Babel, the, the, the temples. We're, we're remembering everything. Remembering everything. And, the, and we're also remembering the future. That's why there is no, no time of the year where the prayers mention and emphasize Mashiach coming more than Rosh Hashanah. Because we're remembering the future. Because since the soul is an actual part of God above, we have the ability to remember the future. This is a, a, a divine spark within us is if not it's 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 counterintuitive to say I can someone can remember the future. Doesn't work according to logic. But on a soul level, because God for God, past, present and future are all happening at the same time and they're ever present. And since our souls have a spark of God, do we have a, a little bit that ability? To remember the future. So is that that's in terms of prophecy and you know, all the prophets? That's what they were talking. About? Yes, absolutely. So, so more that God is granting them, a, they were able to see the future. Lifting up yeah. the veil. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like for example, I mean, for many years I didn't even understand this, but when we read the Book of Lamentations on Echa about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and everything. Yermiah wrote this before the destruction of the temple. He wrote it all before. Because God lifted the veil and showed him that if they didn't do tshuva, remember Yermiah was trying to get them to do tshuva. And they weren't doing tshuva. So, so God showed him, it's either it could be this reality or this reality. But he showed it to him. He showed him the future. That's a prophet sees the future. So, I mean, I, I don't want to get into mm -hmm. this because I'm sure it's a, an entire, you know, seminar on its own. But in terms of having shown, showed God having shown in the future, you know, the possible future, has that work in terms? You know, when you remember the past, it's something that you've experienced and you know is there. It's not you remember two optional pasts. So you know the fact that God had shown him, you know what was going to happen if they should fail. Was it? Did that make it clear that they were going to fail? No, because there were options. It could have been this. It could have been that. If we would have done shuva, a different future would have happened. But he was shown that also, and he told the people, if you do shuva, this is it will be okay. This is what's going to happen. But I don't want to get this too deeply, but when you do tshuva from Ahava, you can see an alternative path. 
because your past become merits. That works both ways. Yeah, but that it, it, it is like on a very high level to do tshuva from ava. You can actually change your past. But I'll, I'll just use this as a you change your past. Even yeah. though it seems like that's on the field, yeah. undisputable, it, it becomes flipped. So this is for the Gemara. The Gemara says if you do tshuva from yira, from fear, your past um, purpose, purposeful sins will become inadvertent sins. But if you do tshuva from ava, your past purposeful sins will become merits. Because they brought you to this place. Okay, that, that's the simple way of learning. And now your past doesn't change, but because you learn from your past, now you're motivated in the present and it becomes a merit to you. That's the simple way of understanding it. But a deeper way of understanding it is not that you can totally undo the past, but the way you read the past changes. You can read your history differently. You see it from a different perspective. When you do tshuva from Ava, all of a sudden you have a different perspective, and it won't change. If you did this wrong, it, it, that doesn't change. But the circumstances around it and what caused it and some of the ramifications do change. So it's like the difference between change. somebody saying, Gamzu Tova, you know, whatever just happened to me that seems negative is for the best, and the person that the same thing happens to that just says, oh, this is horrible. It's the same, yes. Uh, yes, same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. Read today's but, Tanya. But I'll just use this as. Um, a promotional is on our website. There's no, there's a seven-part audio series on prophecy. That's up on the site. So if anyone's interested, and many many other uh, videos, audio classes, parsha, chagim, music, stories, poetry, etc., the thetrugmans.com. Please come to our website. Okay. Going on, right? the Yom Kippur is about cleansing and purification. Sukkot is joy. And here's the one I want to get to, where Shemini Yitzirin and Simchas Torah is absorption and impregnation, which means integration. And that goes along with what we were saying before, it's just a beautiful image. If you catch what we're doing here, is we started with trying to connect to a flow of time, a flow of energy, then we started to talk about like a flow in the soul, and here's like a flow of experience, but, we, but the experience can be envisioned in the body. Rosh Hashanah, we start here at the Rosh, and we end up dancing with our feet. In other words, that the, the, the holidays are flowing through us. Flowing through us, and the idea of the feet is integration. Like Rabbi Nachman said, he said, if you want to know if you're really happy, can you get up and dance? 
So it's like you're at a wedding. And you're very happy that the Chata and the Kala got married. But you don't feel like dancing so much. Right? In other words, the joy has not overwhelmed you. And then there's sometimes you are so absolutely happy for the Chata and the Kala that you, you just you get up and dance. It's, it's, it's like all the way in there. So that's what Rabbi Nachman says. Like there's a kind of happy where you're you're happy up here, and you can be happy here. But if you're really happy, then you get up and dance because then it's it's like it's all through you. It's all integrated, completely around you. Okay. Now, um, we our time is quickly running out. So just look, all of you can take this home. Obviously, if you know about the Svirot, each the connection of each holiday with each Svirot will, will have tremendous meaning. But even if you don't understand the Svirot, it's just beautiful to look at the flow here. Because this shows in more detail how you get from the head to the feet. And each one of these is, is actually um, there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in this, but it's just showing you graphically how the flow is happening. And images are very very important. Images, like for example, when we dive in the Shemona Esrei, this is a, because in modern psychology visualization is a, is a big thing a very, very uh, potent vehicle to get people to heal themselves is through visualization. So you look in the halacha for davening the Shemona Esrei and it says that when you begin the Shemona Esrei you're supposed to visualize, it uses these words, you're supposed to visualize standing in front of the Holy of Holies. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to visualize standing at, in the heart of the world in, in, where in the first temple the presence of God was, was concentrated in the Holy of Holies. And I said you should visualize that you're standing in front of the Holy of Holies. So this simple visualization of from Rosh Hashanah at the head to Simplest turn the feet, it, it's just a very useful one, but here, uh, and I'm not, I'm not even going to take the time to explain, I, I apologize because we just don't have the time, but you can see the flow of the um, holidays as they filter down. And just remember what I said, that in the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, it's very ethereal. It's like, just like, like way, like a new energy is coming and God is judging us and we're trying to do tshuva and it's just, it's like all up here it's all happening in, in, in a sense in our minds and then we get to Yom Kippur though it's like it becomes more like graphic we're like, we're like hitting our heart and when it gets to Sukkot we're taking the Arba meaning in our hands it's getting more physical, more real, more concentrated, more earthly. 
And then when it gets to Simcha's Torah, we're dancing. So you see how it goes from the ethereal, and it gets just more and more, because the shofar is a sound, also it's very ethereal. But Yom Kippur, like you hear your stomach grumbling, right? Right? You, you feel your heart being, right, being hit. Okay, let's look at the last sheet. We have one more model to go through, and this is a, a very, very uh, beautiful model to keep in, in mind. It's, there's no English here, but if you look here, you'll see again the four letters of God's name and the tip of the Yud, and I'll translate for you. We'll start from the bottom. Achor ba'achor means back to back. Here. See? So we're starting from the bottom. Achor ba'achor means back to back. Panim, the panim means face to face. Chibuk means uh, a hug, embrace. Nishikin is kissing. And Zivug is, is intimate marital relations. What is this referring? Uh, we'll see in a second. So now, look at the same chart down here. And we'll start from below. And this is a, a Torah from the Ariza. This model is from the Ariza. And we'll see also, and there's a flow here. And he explains that the, the lower hay are the 10 days of tshuva from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. It's called Sod Hanasira, the secret of, like, how do you say, separation, sawing, sawing, sawing. literally sawing, where um, the, the image is of Adam, Remember, Adam was created male and female before Eve was separated. And, and in Kabbalah, it says that they were back to back. They were like Siamese twins. They were back to back. And the whole image of separating the rib of, of Adam is really the side. And this is called sawing, like, as it were. God sawed the two. (laughs) And they were back to back. So the Arizal explains that from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, our relationship to God is, as it were, back to back. And the avoda, the service of these ten days, is to... And sometimes it's a painful service is to is to saw ourselves from our ego, from our preconceived notions of what we're capable of, of of cause and effect, and that tshuva can change everything. And and the tshuva is like a sawing. Then the vav. 
he explains that after Yom Kippur, we have separated and we begin to turn face to face. So that face to face, according to the Arizal, happens during between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Because when we're making the Sukkah, we're making a relationship. It's not we're just making a physical dwelling. And that he termed as turning face to face. The sukkah is the embrace. Because you walk into a sukkah, you are embraced by the physical structure. But we're told the physical structure represents the wings of the Shekhinah. And that's what we say, hug Sameah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he said sukkah is being embraced. We're being embraced. Hoshana Rabbah is called kissing. Hoshana Rabbah is the seventh day of Sukkot. Sukkot is like climaxing, and like we'll get we'll get there in this four-part series more about Hoshana Rabbah. But the everything is coming together on Hoshana Rabbah, and the closeness is now palpable as represented by a kiss. And then Simcha's Torah, the dancing is like at a wedding. Whose wedding? Each and every person with God. We are now uniting with God and the dancing is dancing at our own wedding. That's how we should be dancing in Simcha's Torah. It's our own wedding. We've waited and waited and waited, and now we're uniting with our beloved. So this is an incredibly powerful model. Okay, so we're going to, uh, just like we try to start on time, <laughs> try to end on time. Um, I let's. Uh, Rabbi Brot asked that we pass this around, and everyone's here, please sign, okay? So they can keep track and send you about more classes here, which everyone, of course, is encouraged to come. Um, everyone is encouraged, if they can, to put 30 shekel in the coupon. Uh, if you can, if you can't, you can't, but if you can, you're in, encouraged to do that. Or bring it with you next time. Um, please encourage friends to come because each class, for you who are here, you'll understand how one class goes to the other. But each class stands on its own. So for any reason you have to miss next week, don't think, well, I can't come back. Each each class will, will stand on its own. And please encourage people to come. And there are many, many other classes that are happening. You can get from Rabbi Brought the schedule. There will be schedules over here available. And uh, just another one is also going to be probably. Thank you for coming back. And thank you for coming. And we're going to be wonderful teachers. 
And a wonderful Rosh Hashiva. And the Rabbitson, of course. Okay, so let's just take this last image. Very, very powerful image of how sometimes we feel back-to-back with God and how ultimately our greatest desire is to unite with God and how to use these Chagim that are coming the prayers, the mitzvot, the the meals, the eating, the, the rituals, everything about it to turn from back to back to face to face and as, as you learned before the soul desires nothing more than to unite with God so this is a, a beautiful image for us to keep
Okay, thank you all for coming. Um, did everyone sign the... Okay. Um, there are books available at highly discounted prices. Please come to our website, thetrugmans.com, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you. 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 Thank so two different things. So let's say, yeah, you put in a word, and if it, you're in the gematria search, it'll give you every word or phrase that has the gematria in the entire phrase. Yeah. I've been looking for something like that yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an amazing thing. So like, that's amazing. And then there's, you'll, you'll look at this whole advanced gematria, and you'll, you'll see. It's all advanced gematria. It's the only one in the world, actually. I'm very much looking yeah. forward to it.